Y'all welcome uh, Pastor Jimmy Darnell. He's going to come up and share. I'm good? All right. Very good. Thank you. We'll let Melody pray all day, every Tuesday. She can do that. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Well, uh, let, let's, let's respond to the prophetic word. Always we need to respond to the prophetic word. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, oh when the saints go marching in. Oh, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Amen. Hey, this is ringing on me. You need to bring it down or something. It's not doing right. I don't know what it is, but it's not just right. That may be better. Okay, praise God. Well, we thank you, Jesus, for the Word of God. We thank you that you are the Word. We thank you for the eternal Word of God that never changes. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the author of the Bible. Cause us to learn tonight. Cause us to learn not only with our heads but with our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In starting tonight, I need to tell you about a little pilgrimage I've been on now for the last almost 100 days since the first of the year. Uh, I'm not one of these that God always speaks to at the beginning of the year about a theme for the year or something to particularly pray on for the year. But this year, he did, he did speak to me. And this is what he said. <clears throat> I want you to become more eternity-minded. And then he went on. We began to have a discussion. He said, you love the earth. And I said, yes, I, do. I love the earth. I don't love the world. You've got to re- realize the world and the earth are two very separate things. The earth is a, is a globe, a beautiful ecosystem that God created and gave to us as a temporary home. Amen? The world is an evil, fallen system ruled over by a wicked, fallen angel named Satan. The world is smoke-filled rooms. The world is power politics. The world is corruption. The world is every evil that you can think about. That's the world. And the Bible says, love not the world. But the earth is a different thing. He's given the earth to the sons of men that we may enjoy our temporary home. And I do, I do love the earth. I love the birds. I love the flowers. I love the trees. I love the mountains. I love the rivers. I love the oceans. I love the earth. It's my temporary home. And then, then he really put the clincher on it to me. He says, I know you love the earth, but I want you to love heaven more. And I knew I didn't. And so my response was, yes, Lord, if you'll help me. And so he's been helping me. He's been helping me. And uh, somebody might say tonight, at least some people would, I'm not interested in that heaven stuff. That's pie in the sky by and by. I want heaven on earth now. I want my inheritance on earth now. I want to show you from the Bible why that is erroneous thinking. I'm going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 19. This is one verse. This will give you the idea of how erroneous that kind of thought is. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, "For If for this life only, he's talking about here on earth, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. 
or as the King James says it even stronger, if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. Wow. Now this is, this is a man who's walked with God, right? This is a man who's experienced powerful things in the Holy Spirit. But he said, if in this life only we have the experience of Christ and the Holy Spirit, in this life only, then we are of all people most miserable. Let that soak in. Paul, Philippians 1 verse 21 says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm not sure we believe that, but that's exactly what he said. To die is gain because it means more of Jesus, right? In heaven, praise God. Amen. And then he also says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, For now, talking about right now, our experience here on earth, we see in a mirror dimly, but then in heaven face to face. Now here, here is the, the bulldozer of that truth. Ephesians 1. I'm just getting warmed up to get toward my subject. Ephesians 1, verse 13, Paul says, In him you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The King James Bible translates that phrase that, that the RSV translated, the guarantee of our inheritance, that our present experience in this life with the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our redemption. The NIV says it is the deposit of our redemption. Now, we all know what earnest money is, right? Earnest money is something, you're going to buy something, you put down earnest money, which is a guarantee that you're going to pay the rest. Isn't that right? That's what earnest money is. So the Bible plainly says that regardless of how powerful the experiences you've had in the Holy Spirit, regardless of how wonderful the presence of God you've experienced in this life, the miracles that you've seen, how close you've walked in Him, all of that is nothing but a down payment. It's just a deposit. It's an earnest of the full inheritance that is to come. Wow. You know, I, I've had some powerful experiences in the Holy Spirit. I've had some awesome times in walking with Him. And yet He says, that's just, that's just the earnest money for what is to come in heaven. Praise God. Uh, let me try to illustrate it another way. <clears throat> when Beth and I graduated from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, we'd been married about three years at that time, uh, we decided to celebrate and go to a beautiful, expensive steakhouse. Since we'd mar been married, we'd never been to a steakhouse. We didn't have any money to go to a steakhouse. But we decided we would go to a very nice steakhouse. And so we went, and, you know, the white napkins and all, all, all that went with it and everything. And, and we're waiting for our meal, and they bring out to each of us a big rib, smoked, barbecued, whatever it was. And, man, we chomped down on that rib. It was so good. Wow, the, man, this is awesome. And then it, then it occurred to me, wait a minute, this is just the appetizer. <laughs> what is to come next, praise God. And so it's like our experience in this life is the appetizer for all that he has stored up for us in heaven. 
So I think you've guessed my subject. I'm going to preach on heaven tonight. I have only preached on heaven one other time in my 58 years of preaching. And so I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm, I'm becoming more eternal-minded, as he told me to. So here we go. And, and let me say this before I start preaching on heaven. Uh, I don't think I'll really be able to do much with the subject, but scratch the surface, because the Bible says that eye hath not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for them that love him. Amen? So I'm going to do the best I can, but uh, it will be, we won't be too deep into the, this wonderful subject. Praise God. Okay, I'll share just about eight things very briefly about, about heaven. First of all, it is a prepared place. You remember on the night that Jesus, before he, died, before he was to die the next day, he told his disciples what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And for those of you who think analytically, I always begin to think, well, wait a minute. Why did he have to go to prepare a place? Was not heaven already prepared? Was not heaven already perfect? Why did he have to go prepare for us a place? The answer is, heaven was not perfect. It was not. Because we're told that in eternity past, a tremendous rebellion took place in heaven. The worship leader of heaven, Lucifer, one of the three archangels, led a rebellion against the Most High God. He was no longer content to be a created being. He was no longer content to be in a place of service, but he wanted the throne. And so he rebelled against the Most High God. How many of you know it never pays to rebel against God? You're always going to lose. You're always going to lose. And so he and a third of the heavenly beings. So this is no small rebellion. This is a major uprising. A third of the heavenly beings are cast out of heaven. And so... Anything that has had the devil's fingerprint on it has to be purified. Think about that. It has to be purified. And so, after Jesus has died upon the cross and he's coming now out of the tomb, you remember the first one to see him as Mary Magdalene, and he says to her, Mary, the King James says, don't touch me. That's not the best translation. He says, Mary, don't cling to me. Because I must ascend to my Father and to your Father. And so immediately, he is now in heaven. And there in heaven, he takes his precious blood and purifies the heavenly sanctuary and pours out that blood upon the mercy seat of heaven so that blood is still speaking better things than the blood of Abel, praise God. He purified, he purged, he cleansed the heavenly tabernacle. So we say, well, Brother Jim, where in the world do you get that? Right out of the Bible. Let me show you. Go, go to he- Hebrews if you want to, or I'll just read it to you if you can believe me. Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to begin in verse 18. Hence, even the first covenant was not ratified without blood. Talking about the old covenant. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and he sprinkled both the book itself And all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle 
and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And then verse 23, Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. Now notice that. The earthly tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle, was a copy of the heavenly sanctuary. It was a scaled-down physical replica of the sanctuary in heaven. And it says it was necessary that these copies be purified by blood. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So the heavenly sanctuary and the heavenly furniture had to be purified with better sacrifice. The blood of bulls and calves won't do the job. And so Jesus now ascends into heaven, and there he purges the heavenly tabernacle, cleanses it with his blood, and pours it out upon the mercy seat of heaven. For it says in verse 24, For Christ has entered not into a sanctuary made with hands, a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear the presence of God on our behalf. Praise God. So heaven is a prepared place. He has gone and he has prepared a place for us. He's purged it of every vestige of Satan's rebellion so that now it is a perfect place where there is no crying, where there is no sadness, where there are no tears, where there is no death. It is a perfect, prepared place for those that love him. Praise God. So heaven is a prepared place. Now, the rest of what I'm going to talk about heaven tonight is going to come out of Revelation 21 and 22. So just listen as I read this to you. I'm going to read a good bit of chapter 21 and a good bit of 22. So I'm starting now in Revelation 21 and and verse 10. And it says, And in the Spirit he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And it had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates were 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And on the east gate, on the east, three gates, and on the north, three gates, and on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. And the city lies four square, its length the same as its breadth. <coughs> and he measured the city with the rod, 12,000 stadia. The le- its length, breadth, and height are equal. Now, 12,000 stadia is about 15, uh, 1,500 miles, 1,500 miles. So it's 1,500 miles long, it's 1,500 miles wide, and it's 15. 100 miles high. It's a perfect cube. And then verse 17, and he measured its wall 144 cubits, or about 200 feet high, by a man's measure, that is, an angel's. And the wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth cornelian, the seventh chrysolite, 
the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysophase, the eleventh, jacinth, the twi- and the twelfth, amorous. And the twelve gates were, were twelve pearls, and each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light shall the nations walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And its gates shall never be shut by day, and there shall be no night there, and they shall bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean shall enter, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then he showed me the river of the water of life. We know there's a river in heaven. For those of us who are fishermen, we're thankful for that. Uh, of course, there'd be no death in heaven. It would have to be all catch and release, right? We All catch and release. But. So he showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, and also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no more be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall worship him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and night shall be no more. They need no light, they need no light of lamp or sun, For the Lord God will be their light, and they shall reign forever and forever. Praise God. That's quite a description, isn't it? (laughs) Wow. So let me just point out a few things about this wonderful place called heaven that we're going to. It's a spacious place. We're told that it's a city 1,500 miles in length, width, and depth. That's a big, big place. Now, whether that's a literal number or a symbolic number, a lot of symbolism in the book of the Revelation. But what he is saying is that uh, heaven is a big place. It's big enough for all of us, amen? Whosoever will may come, praise God. We used to sing, I uh, used to go to this encampment and we'd sing the, the, the beautiful little chorus <coughs> about uh, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, There's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. So with heaven, praise God. It's a spacious place, and whosoever will may come. Second, it's a beautiful place. We're told that the city, not just the streets, but the city, the whole city, is made of pure gold. Now, pure gold is 24-karat gold. This may be even purer than that. I don't know, but it's, it's... 14 karat gold is not pure gold. It's an alloy. It's about 50% gold. But this city is built of pure gold. And, you know, in this, this, in this life, when, when people look on gold, it's often they see greed. But there when we look in the, on gold, we'll see God. Amen? Praise God. The streets and the whole city are made of pure gold. And then those gemstones, 12 beautiful stones. Man, you saw when I read the, the names of all of those, you said, well, Brother Jimmy, what do those look like? 
Well, rather than me try to describe what I did, I just got on here and pulled it up, and I got to see a picture of every one of those stones. Just went through looking at every one of those stones, and all I can say is they are beautiful. Here's a city of gold, and all these beautiful gemstones form the foundation of the wall. I mean, it is a beautiful place, praise God. Could, could, could you agree with me that our God is this aesthetic in nature? He loves beauty. That's part of his nature. He just loves beauty. Man, you think about the creation of this, this temporary home for us. He didn't skip on anything, did he? I mean, he could have just made a, a couple of scrawny trees and put a one gray bird and sang a monotone. That, no, no. Well, I mean, when Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are creating, they get on a roll, man. And, and Jesus said, I think we see the mountains over here, Father. Yeah, mountains over there. And we need re- some oceans over here and some rivers and all these colored birds and all these beautiful fish. On and on and on and on and on. He loves beauty. Praise God. But let's say this. I, you know, I've been to some beautiful places on this earth. Some really beautiful places. Probably the most beautiful is Yellowstone Park. If you've never been to Yellowstone, you need to go there before you go to heaven. It is absolutely unbelievable. Man, you come into that, that beautiful Hayden Valley where the Yellowstone River winds through the valley, mountains coming up on each side, beautiful fields of grass down there in, 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 in the bottom where bison and elk are feeding. It, 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 it's absolutely unbelievable. And yet, Having seen beautiful places here on earth, I'll have to say I've probably, I haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. We're going to a beautiful place. Amen. Praise God. All right. <clears throat> Another thing about it, I'm, I'm just, you know, I've already read it, so uh, y'all have heard. It's a gated community. Twelve gates, right? And each gate is a single pearl. Wow. Now, I know that most of you know that the pearl is the only jewel produced by the suffering of a living organism. The way a pearl is formed, people, people who uh, raise cultured pearls, uh, they slip a piece of sand under the mantle of the oyster. The sand begins to irritate the oyster, so it secretes what we could know as mother of pearl to cover that piece of sand. And so as it secretes the mother of pearl, the, the pearl begins to become bigger. And the bigger it comes, the more it irritates the oyster, so the more mother of pearl it secretes until the pearl becomes large, and then they come and harvest the pearls. So it's the only jewel formed by the suffering of a living organism. And so those gates, those gates speak of the suffering of the Lord Jesus. Only way we're going to get in, amen? That's, that's the only way we're going to get in. It's through those pearly gates, those gates of suffering. So when you stand before the pearly gates someday and the angel says, why should I let you in my heaven? Don't give him some dumb thing like, oh, I was a pretty good guy. When I was Don't do that. Just point to the gates, point to the pearl, and say, I want, I'm coming in because those gates speak of the suffering of my Savior. He took my sins. He suffered in my place. He died in my place. And my faith is in him. And the angels say, come on in, come on in, come on in. This is your house. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. It's a gated community. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then it's a prophecy fulfilled 
place. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read something to you, and I want to see if you can figure out where I'm, I'm reading from. You probably said, well, he's reading from Revelation again. I'm not going to tell you where I'm reading from, but here, here, here it is. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. You say, well, Brother Jim, where are you reading from? I'm reading from the book of Genesis. It's, you see, the Garden of Eden was an earthly picture of heaven. Just look at the, compare it to Revelation 22 where we read. There's the tree of life, right? In the original garden, the tree of life is in heaven. There's beautiful fruit trees, and there's a river, a river of life flowing through heaven, just as it was in the garden. So the garden is prophetic of heaven, where we will spend <coughs> eternity. And, and so what that says to me, God is always seeking to return us to original intent. His original intent was that we were to walk with Him, we were to eat of the tree of life, we were to enjoy Him, to experience Him. That is original intent. Now, man's sin messed that up. But praise God, we're going to go back to original intent. We're going to go back into this beautiful, heavenly garden where we'll see Him face to face, where we'll walk with Him, where we'll partake of Jesus, the tree of life. Amen? Praise God. So it's a prophecy-fulfilled place. <clears throat> and then it's a God-filled place. Did you notice there's no temple, no sun, no moon, no darkness, but the light is the glory of God. His glory so fills the whole place. I, it, it must be brighter than anything we've ever seen before. Just the glory of God filling all of heaven so that we won't have to have sunshine, moon, none of that. No. He, God is light, and His presence is everywhere there. Praise God. And then next, I'm just, and you know, just touching on these, remember, it's a worship-filled place. It says there in Revelation 22, they'll see His face and His servants shall worship Him. And you say, well, Brother Jimmy, are we going to do other things in heaven or are we just going to sing all the time? I kind of think we're probably going to do some other things. But I know one thing. The only thing that's revealed in Scripture that we'll do is to worship Him. It says that they shall worship Him face to face. Praise God. You know, I just love to worship God. I love to. I love it. It's life to me. And yet I have to admit that in this, this tabernacle, in this body, I can get tired, sometimes get hungry. Sometimes I have to go to the bathroom. Well, we're going to have new bodies up there, amen? They won't get tired. Don't have to eat. Don't have to go to the bathroom. We can just worship on and on and on and on, worshiping the Lord. Praise God. And so my thought is, if we're going to do a lot of worship in heaven, I think we probably better be learning about how to do it now. I wonder if there's going to be a few Christians up there going to be a little bit out of place in all this worship. <laughs> wow. It, it, we, we need to develop an appetite right here for worship, right? Yes. Develop an appetite for more and more 
wonderful, off-the-chart type worship. Praise God. You know, I was thinking about it. You know, if heaven was an art museum, I'd be in trouble because I don't like art museums. I don't like to look at art. And so if it is an art museum, what I'd have to do, I'd better, I'd better get double time, Chris, learning about art, right? Going to art museums, developing an appetite for art so that, the, so that then I could enjoy it. So there's a lot of people, there are a lot of Christians need to really develop their appetite for worship. Praise God. And then the last thing I want to say is that heaven is a restricted place. Restricted. And I kind of end on coming negative, but it, it says nothing unclean. Nothing unclean is going to enter into heaven. That means not everybody gets in. Did we read about the wall? A 200 high foot wall? I mean, President Trump's wall is a dink compared to that, right? One friend of mine said, if they build a 21 foot wall, I'm going to go into business building, uh, selling 22 foot step letters. Yeah. 200 feet high. And it's not to keep people in, it's to keep the unclean out. Whoa. And only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We'll get to enter through the gates and come in. Now, I know that's not politically correct today to talk, be, talk about exclusion. It's not politically correct at all. You know, you, you just watch the television, listen to my, all the celebrities, and they're always talking about some, some wicked person has died. I mean, some overdose drug deal, you know, and they say, oh, they're in a better place. I'm not so sure. Really? Not everybody gets in. But I know this. We don't want any of our family or friends to be locked outside. We want them all there. Truthfully, the only thing we can take with us to this beautiful place called heaven is people. You can't take any money. Can't take your Jaguar. Can't take my best shotgun. None of that. None of that is going to go with me. Only thing I can take is my family, my friends, people. Well, let me close by reading this uh, part of a letter. Charles Fuller was a Calif pastor of a California church and later became the uh, preacher on the old-time revival hour. In the 1940s, he preached, every week he preached to 10 million people on the radio. This guy is a tremendous preacher. And, it's, and here's, here's what I'm reading. Charles Fuller once announced that he would be speaking the following Sunday on heaven. During that week, a beautiful letter was received from an old man who was very ill. The following is part of his letter. Next Sunday, you're to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable. And it's not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, I've been sending materials out of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me which will never need to be remodeled nor repaired because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundation for, they, for it rests on the rock of ages. Fires cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. 
No locks nor bolts will ever be placed upon his door, for no vicious person can ever enter the land where my dwelling stands. Now, almost completed and almost ready for me to enter in and abide in peace eternally without fear of being ejected. There is a valley of deep shadow between the place where I live in California and that which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in the city of gold without passing through this dark valley of shadows. But I'm not afraid because the best friend I have ever, because the best friend I ever had went through the gloom of that same valley long, long ago and drove away all its gloom. He has stuck by me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago, and I shall not lose my way when he's with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday from my home in Los Angeles, California, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. Yes, I'm all ready to go, and I may not be here when you're talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you there someday. Isn't that pretty cool? Wow. Wow. I've got to become more eternity-minded. Just like that. Got to become more eternity-minded. You ready, Doris? Let's see. Catch on. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Oh, yes, no more crying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. No more dying there. Dying there. We are going to see the king. No more dying there. Dying there. We are going to see the king. No more dying there. Dying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the The gates are made of gold, pearls. And we're going to see the The gates are made of pearls. And we're going to see the king. The gates are made of pearls. Made of pearls. We're going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the king. The streets are made of gold. The are made of gold. We are going to see the king. The streets are made of gold. We are going to see the king. The streets are made of gold. We're going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the king. Amen. 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 All right.
Here's what, here's what I want to do to finish up. I don't know about you, but I, I've got to become more eternity-minded. I know that. Maybe somebody say, Brother Jimmy, I, I need to become more eternity-minded. My, my life is so rooted in this present earth. I, I just like to pray for any that felt a need to become more eternity-minded, to live, to live now in the light of eternity. Praise God. And so any that like prayer for that, just come up here real quick. We're going to pray. Uh, and, and then we're going to be dismissed. You, you just feel a need to become more eternity-minded in your life. Just come on up here real, real quick, and we're going to pray. Praise God. Amen. Any others? We're going to pray. Praise God. Thank you. Some of it was, Brother Jimmy, we, we, we need more heaven on earth. Yes, we do. But remember, the most heaven we have on earth is nothing but the earnest, the down payment of that which shall be ours. Praise God. So, Father, we just pray for all these now who are standing here, who are saying, I need to be more eternity-minded. I need to become more eternity-conscious. Lord, I just pray that, that you'll take us on a pilgrimage. Teach us about heaven. Teach us about eternity. Teach us about, Lord, all the, the wonders of what you have for us. Cause us to live now in the light of eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right. We're dismissed. Chris. All right. If you need prayer for anything at all, I think we'll have some of the altar team up here. Otherwise, have a fantastic evening. Uh, we're out like 30 minutes early, so go do something fun. <laughs>